Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. Um, and as I as I predicted, X shows up right as right as we press live. Um, we are <laughs> show here, and we'll go right to Russ with the pre-show. Okay. First thing is, and, and this is always the desperate Father's Day, Hey, always got some gift options. <laughs> Go to my Amazon page, baseball, hockey, you know. Or <laughs> hey, listen, Jacob DeGrom, he's in he's in this book. So is Otani. You know, they're pretty good players. All right, anyhow. So Nikola Jokic, who got kicked out of a game the other day, we always talk about how hockey now is has become less violent and football is touch football, which is not true because guys still get killed. Well, now it is ported over to the NBA because a play that Jokic made the other day, and he's a big guy. He won the MVP. He's got long arms. He just basically slapped the ball away from a smaller player, which everybody does on defense who's ever played basketball. Ball goes out of bounds. They kicked him out of a game, out of that game for a flagrant because they said the backlash of his arm hit the guy's face, so they kicked him out. But Jokic was right. He got all ball, and back in – the day, not even that long ago, maybe 15 years ago, that would have been called all ball. But now the guy gets kicked out of the game. So, Kev, it's even come to basketball. Man. Yeah, yeah, it has. You know, it's funny that all ball distinction was a schoolyard thing. You know, it when was. You kid, I got all ball. Yeah. That's it. And you wouldn't get a foul as a result. Right, right. Ball, yeah. you, you hear that in soccer all the time, too. You know, Yeah, like, right, in soccer, and the, like the slide tackles and things right. like that. Yeah, I got all ball. Yeah, which also yeah. kind of like also kinds of plays into like the, uh, the the hockey players too when they slide across with their stick and they get the puck, you know, with their stick, and they don't trip the guy, but they get the puck, and they but the guy trips over him, but I got the puck. Yeah, that that I've heard that used in hockey. You, you would be surprised how many people uh, in hockey think that isn't a foul. Right, right, that, right. That if regardless if they trip the guy afterward, like as long as right. you get the puck. You whatever you do to the guy is is fine, which I think is a carryover from the other sports. And I think that I think that I honestly right. think that that is a soccer and basketball thing. You know, I think that so it feels like to me that that's yeah. what they've kind of taken from there. But, uh, but, no, but no hockey player who blocks a shot ever says, "I got all puck." You right. know? No, they never do. I've never heard that. <laughs> just, just to ma- just to maintain my uh, my reputation as being miserable, Mike. Um, <laughs> you don't have to, Mike, but that's fine. You know, you're disgruntled. Remember, we decided that's such a more polite word. Yes, you, yeah, you, you, you do that on a daily basis. But go ahead. So, uh, so I I purchased a fair bit of change to go see the Yankees uh, play the Toronto Blue Jays tomorrow in Buffalo. Mm. You know, the first game that the Yankees play in front of fans in Buffalo and that probably will never happen again after this series because they'll probably go <laughs> to Toronto in August when the border opens or soon after. So it's a unique experience. Yeah. And uh on Saturday, after Saturday's game in Philadelphia, Aaron Judge, who is their best player, uh was shut down with back spasms. So more than likely 
he won't play in Toronto. I mean, he won't play against Toronto tomorrow night in Buffalo. And on to, to put a cherry on top of the Sunday, it was Garrett Cole's uh, turn in the rotation. But since they had an extra, they wanted to give him an extra day off. So now Jordan Montgomery is going to pitch for the Yankees. He's a lefty, and you've got uh, a murderer's row of righties, including Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. So I'm preparing for like a 12-1 Blue Jays throw. Well, Mike, you know, the good news is is that Giancarlo Stanton will probably play because he couldn't play yesterday because he couldn't play in the field, but there he could at least DH. So. Yeah, because if, because if he plays in the field, he'll pull a quad like he normally does. Oh, okay. poor guy. You know, that's why I like National League Baseball, because if you can't play in the field, you can't you can play. play in that other league, yeah. then, you you know, something's wrong. I'm going to tie right. baseball into hockey today at some point. And I'm, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to, to Mike about the Aaron Judge things because no everybody knows that nobody ever gets hurt in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, Mike, I mean, the Maple Leafs can't win. No, 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 Just no, pretend no, the Blue Jays no, no, are the Leafs. Even go there. <laughs> you get to cheer Toronto. Okay, don't even go there. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, oh, but the, yeah, the, the, other, the other thing, as I was before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, I, <laughs> the... Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the music situation. Uh, I just heard that Eric Clapton will be touring this summer, and oh, I, man. I really see. This is the thing. I luckily I saw Eric Clapton back in the day, so I don't have to go out and see him for an, an, an exorbitant uh, price. Uh, but I really have a problem now with these acts that are coming out when they're well past their spoil date. And, and, you know, like, you know, Genesis is touring next year. And I, you know, I saw Genesis in the eighties. They were great then. You now you sound like an old man, Mike. No, but <laughs> because I remember when I, was a kid, when I was a kid, I expect them to be at the top of the, here's the thing. When I was a kid, I remember wanting to go see Genesis and some, and my cousin who was like 10 years older than me said, I saw Genesis with Gabriel. I mean, this is stupid. Like this is, and this is like, you know, and this is like, you know, this is like in the 1980s, you know, like, so it always, there's always is that thing of people saying, Oh, I saw Pink Floyd. Yeah. I will back you this know. up. What Eck is saying, because I remember, I don't remember the year exactly. Maybe it was like 84, 85. And I'm sending away for, this is when you had to send postcards for concerts. So I was doing it for the <laughs> who, and I was doing it for the stones, which was supposed to be their final tour back then because <laughs> Everybody figured out like mid eighties, there's no way these guys are living any longer. They've done so many drugs. And so this is like everybody's last tour. Now we're like in, you know, 2021 and it's still not everybody's last tour. So Mike's mad. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Cause I do the, uh, I saw the Rolling Stones on the small venue tour. Um, okay. So I saw them in the Sonic uh, auditorium in Detroit, which holds about 4,000. So wow. I can throw something out there if you guys want to. I saw Nirvana at the Kyber Pass in Philadelphia, which seats about 70 people. Well, I, 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 I did see Green Day in Philly um, at a place that probably nobody was sitting, at a place that probably stood 100. Yeah, no, the Kyber's kind that of. That was only a few years ago. Nobody sits the at the Kyber so nobody says the Kyber either. I was in college and and a friend of mine was like into all the cooler music than I was, you know, and he knew like and he's like, Yes, band from Seattle, they're really cool. They're they're touring and they're no one's gonna go see him. But a friend of mine knows somebody in the band, he says, you know, he gave me tickets, so let's go down and see him because there's no there's not gonna be anybody there. So I go down to the Kyber Pass, which is Kevin. Now Kevin saw my band play at the Teen Angel. The Kyber Pass was right next door. Um, and it's a similar kind of place that you saw me play in. 
And um, so I go into the Kyber Pass at that point, you know, and that, you know, the 90s, you know, Nirvana was so different than anything else anybody had heard. Like when at that point, you know, Nirvana was just changing everything. And they were, I mean, they were phenomenal. It was unbelievable. Like I literally left there thinking to myself that I just saw. So this was before Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah. Okay. That's I, I, I got to say that the Kyber Pass might be the coolest name I've ever heard. It sounds like a Tyrone Power movie. Uh, yeah. Oh, is it? That's what Saudi, 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 you know, Saudi Arabia or something. But the Kyber Pass, what a it's great a cool, 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 cool club name. You know, it was a real dive. I mean, it was like a real, like a real. The room's getting antsy. We better get The Kyber Pass is an actual name of a pass in Afga in uh, Pakistan. So that's where they come yeah, from. The room's complaining as much as Mike now. No, too bad. All right, let's go. We got some things to talk about. All right. Um, Hello, Hockey World. It is Monday, June 14th, 2021. I'm Michael Jello, and I'm pissed off. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. <laughs> I'm Kevin Allen. I'm Kenny Nice, and I write the, about the Hab Zone Hockey Nights. <laughs> Okay, right, and then Kevin, and then we're good. Uh, okay, so and then and that's Kevin, and that's Karen, and this is I'm Eckland, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. Um, and uh, yesterday I got to chat. I got the real the real treat of watching a little bit of that game on the beach. Like I brought my laptop out with my buddy, and we sat there on the beach and watched it on the beach. Um, it was pretty fun. Um, so how do you get past the sun glare though? Well, it's funny, yeah. You you do have to like, I yeah. I have a gazebo, of course. You know, I set up a gazebo. Oh, okay. I'm I'm one of those you dads. On the beach, physically, you were in a gazebo. Well, no, beach. it was on the beach. I set up a gazebo on the beach. Like I I'm I'm one of those dads oh, that brings down like like I have every, I have the whole freaking nine yards. Believe me, it's a setup. So, so when, uh, when a gust of wind comes and blows the gazebo out, <laughs> no, we bury the gazebo. But anyway, um, so here, so so it was, uh, but that game yesterday was really I thought pretty interesting and kind of going along the lines of where I thought this might go. And I, and like I said on like I said last week, I said if the Islanders were going to win, they were going to have this series, they were going to have to win game one. And I thought this was really definitely – this definitely set it up now. Now, I've heard a lot of people today um, who have a different impression of that. It felt like it was like Tampa didn't, didn't show up for the game. Um, I mean, I, it was amaz it's amazing how little little love the Islanders are getting for winning that game in my mind. Because like, as, as far as when I'm – you, you disagree with me, Russ? I disagree. Listen, it was Brian Boucher who's been covering every series practically who said on the ice, hey, Tampa doesn't look like Tampa. And even the coach, John Cooper, said after the game they were a little – they were not themselves. So I I do give the Islanders credit for shutting them down, Nick. But if you don't think Tampa played like their C game, you're crazy. Now, they did finally start playing better mid-third period. No question about it. But if you don't know the Islanders – I mean, uh, Russ, you know, we've seen the Islanders play plenty of times. The, oh, Islanders, the Islanders, listen, the Islanders never, make you the Islanders make you look like you're playing your C game a lot. To, to a degree. I look max effort, solid goaltending, but the the turnovers, the Islanders were not causing all those turnovers. If you saw the circuit chef turnovers that they showed the package, the Islanders weren't even near him. He was just no look passing turnovers. He was just <laughs> Just lazy turnovers. I the mean, Stanko Swan was great. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's why he got benched. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I got two things. One, um, that you know, Kevin said on a previous show that Vasilevsky really hadn't been that good through the playoffs, through the first two rounds. He'd been up and down, and I and I agreed with that assessment. And it came to pass in Game One. I'm sorry, I don't care if the guy shoots 100 miles an hour. 
the Brian Pulak shot that made it two nothing was a clear shot. Nobody in between. 9,999 out of 10,000, the goaltender has got to stop that puck. If you move a fraction of the inch that goes in, I don't kill him on that goal because what about of the, the 10 shot. great saves he made while it was 0-0? I mean, he right. was pretty incredible. Oh, right. in I don't I don't kill Vasilevsky on no, the goal shot because few have that kind of shot. I, I would, the other point I was going to make is they played the Islanders played a nearly perfect road game. Perfect. At two nothing, and then I think in the last four minutes of the third period, desperation set in, and you saw Tampa really start to pick it up. And then they got the goal to make it two one. They played a nearly perfect road game, and they won two to one. Act, and I, so I think it was a grade A effort from the Islanders and a grade B or C effort from Tampa Bay. You can't expect them to have a grade A effort and a grade C effort from those two teams throughout the series. The Islanders are like the Devils, and this to is be been, fair it, though, I think that. Um, the Tampa Bay started really well. Like five, the first yeah. five minutes, they were leading seven-one in shots. I thought so. And, but and, the and, Islanders kind of weathered that storm, and that got to Tampa Bay, and that got to the crowd as well, quieted down. Yeah. You can't say I, that. I think Tampa it's the Islanders there that managed to put Tampa yeah. Bay on their heels a little bit. Like, oh, what is this opposition? How's that possible? That's what it looked like right. to me. I and think Kevin, their defense did do that to a degree. You're right. There's no question about that. Kevin, Kevin, I mean, there's my thing I'm thinking on this. I'm going to bring Kevin into this. I am only. <laughs> I agree with creepy Rob stuff. Well, no, um, I, I'm no, not. Here's the, here's, here's the situation, okay? Parents went away on a week's vacation. Um, no, th this is this is the deal. We, the Islanders are not going to win games five to one. Like this is not a team that this is not a team that does that. The the, the Devils when they were winning Stanley Cups, they don't they they, they won two to one. They they won those teams. The Islanders and Devils, like from way back when, they just win. It doesn't matter how much they win by; they don't care. Um, Kevin, thoughts? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we always go through this, uh, not just in hockey, but in all sports, where you know a, a team that loses can't ever um, yeah. admit that the other team played well. Um, you know, it's what they didn't do, not what the other team did to them. And we see that for sure in the Montreal series, yeah. where yeah. you know no one wants to say. Well, Montreal just did a really good job of shutting down two good offensive teams. Instead, they yeah. want to say, look at the failure of the Edmonton Oilers or look at the right. failure of the Winnipeg Jets. So right. that's just part and parcel of the sport. Right. And always the truth is, is in the middle. Like, yeah. uh, you're absolutely right. The Islanders played, and Mike is right, uh, just a terrific game. And they've got, uh, you know, maybe the hottest player still left in the playoffs in Barzil, who's really yeah. – and nobody's going to discredit Matt Barzell. I mean, he yeah, made yeah, he's, look bad. Yeah. yeah, he's got, you know, he's, what, he's got he's 40 free. goals in his last five games. And he's, yeah, he's on fire. Yeah, he's, he's playing very, very well. And in, in a series like this where it's so tight, um, and they're already hauling out the cliches. I mean, what did the players say after? There's no room out there. Never you, know, there. you know, why is there never any room in the playoffs and there's always <laughs> plenty of room in the regular season? So, But there's no room out there. So we can't. We I mean, Braden Point did find some room a couple times. So he's yeah. another one of those speed guys. So you make a good point, Kevin. But, 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 but the bottom line is like the Islanders played really, really well. I loved um, Cooper's assessment of, you know, we're a team that has a recipe and we didn't follow it. And I think that's true. I mean, the, mm -hmm. whoever just called it, the, I think it was Ross called it, you know, the, I wouldn't say it was C. I would say, the Tampa Bay was a B minus okay. game, and the, the Islanders played their A game, yeah. and they they were really good at it. And this is, uh, you know, we all of us agree that the Islanders are going to give them trouble. But I also, 
you know how I feel about that. I always discount game one. You know, it seems like mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter who wins that game. It doesn't, series doesn't get going until game two. So we'll see what yeah. happens. I, I mean, I, I would say this this is the true test. Find me an Islander fan that said they weren't nervous after Tampa did score and had time left on the clock. And we're still getting shots with the extra man advantage. If you can find yeah, me one of those, if you don't, fine. if you don't, if you don't think that Tampa's gonna make a run at you, you're ridiculous. Like, oh, no, but I'm just saying. Like, they, of course they're nervous. Of course, I mean, uh, this is a hell of a team. This is a this is the Stanley Cup champions. They are going to come at you at some point. They are going to attack you, and you're gonna be nervous. Um, yeah, but, but the reality is, you have to get either get a big enough lead or be or be confident enough that you can hold them back. And I think honestly, uh, to me. I th- I felt like Cooper and all that they were they were making excuses and they sounded scared to me. Like I, I, honestly, when I'm sitting there and I'm listening to him talk, and I I never felt this way about Cooper ever before. But when you say your team played really, you know, well, we just didn't do our thing. We not, you know, you're are are you saying that because you're trying to tell your team that they just didn't do their thing and that the other team isn't as good as you think they are? Because to me, that that's what it felt like. Does that make any no, sense? No, it didn't to me. I heard mm-hmm. on the entire Cooper press conference, and he was very laudatory of the Islanders. He well. was, and I, I did, he wasn't sending a message. I think he gave an honest assessment. He's pretty honest. I will yeah, say that. I, 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 I've heard him a lot, and uh, yeah, I, actually, I know him, and I, I thought he was just being honest. You know, yeah. he thought the Islanders were very good, but he thought they could have been better. I, th- I mean, I think there's mutual respect there. Remember, these two teams played against yeah. each other last year. I'm not saying he's not respecting him. I'm saying he's oh, maybe over-respecting Islanders in a way to like no, to no, sit no, there and no, say. No, I think that I think that was that that was made clear pretty clear after the first whistle when David Savard. I think Matt Martin went at it. There was a there was a scrum. No, the, I think well, the, that was the point that I had brought up, Mike. That yeah, Cooper was going to make an immediate assessment on that yeah. game one to kind of thwart that, and he did that. Like yeah, I mean, to his credit, he did that. Corinne was right. The way the first period played out, you know, Tampa had that initial rush in like the first four or five minutes where they were, I think they was the shots were seven one. And then the Islanders really took over and Vasilevsky stood on his head to keep it zero zero. But again, I go back to that goal. I mean, one nothing is one thing, especially for an experienced team to be able to come back from in a playoff situation. But the goal that Pul- the Pulak scored, a, a wide open shot from the point. Yeah. Like I said, I don't care if it's 100 miles an hour. It's Vasilevsky. I'm not the one who has to stop the damn puck. It's Vasilevsky. He's the best goalie in the league. He's but, again, if you move a half a second late on a 100-mile-an-hour shot, yeah. and it's yeah, going to tip off the inside of your pad. It is. This is the National Hockey League. I'm with Mike on this. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like the great Harry Sinden always said, you don't pay goalies to make easy saves. You pay them <laughs> to make the hard saves. That's why they get paid a lot of money. And uh, and do we say I, that about field goal kickers too? I mean, I'm just curious. Well, well they don't pay kickers the way they do. You know, okay, that's fair. That's true too. So, but the you know, I I thought he should have made that stop too. You know what I mean? You, you know, you uh, that that in this at this stage, he would have made that save last year on the run to the go. Right, and and he would probably make that save nine times out of ten in any game now too. But the reality is. If you're if you haven't scored all game and you're up one nothing, you put yourself in a position for something like that to happen. And, and yeah, if that happens, no about that, that's true. And, and at that point, if that happens, you can't sit there and blame Basileski on it. Like no. they they because he had made great saves throughout the game. 
And, you know, that's just the reality is you've he lost him, two you goals. Know. He's got a he two goals. And there, I mean, that save he made very early on on that when he goes across, man, that was a hell of a save. I, I, this doesn't quite fit here, but if I don't talk about it now, we'll forget. And I want to bring it up because I, I wondered how wrong I was on this. Um, you know, when I heard Dougie Hamilton say, well, we lost to a team that has $98 million worth of payments, I just kind of rolled my eyes and, eh, you know, somebody they lost and they – but in the last week, or however long it's been, I've run into a lot of people around the hockey world who are really bothered by that. I, like, I, that, like, that like to the point where we may see uh, changes. Uh, well, I've been saying it. No, yeah. I, I listen. I, I was I hearing people say the same thing, Kevin. Like, well, I was, of course, talking to people in Florida who were obviously upset about it too. But there was a lot of other people who were just like, "Yeah, this I, I get that." But Kev, there's you trying to tell me there's no other team in the league that would have done the same thing under the same. Oh condition? no, I, 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 I wouldn't say that at all. I think everybody. Right. Well, that's that's my issue just, with it. It just points out though that there's kind of a flaw, like yeah, it's okay. a real disadvantage. Like I was talking to somebody who pointed out, like that you know, eighteen million dollars is too top-level players. Well, I, I would find it hard to believe that both the PA and the uh, the league would be on the same page to agree to an adjustment of the CBA on that, Kev. I mean, you know, unless they're talking about putting a cap of how much over the cap you can be in the playoffs or something like that. I mean, the, the cap doesn't count in the playoffs. That's the Why whole doesn't it no, count? No, it, do, it doesn't, but I've, I find that the I'm hearing that the players themselves are upset over this. Well, so yeah. I mean, that's they, why I want it. Want it I, you know, I see it as a possibility. Now, you are right. I don't know. I, you know, I could just see the Players Association said, next time we have a CBA, we can bargain it. So yeah, yeah. You know, they, they could say that. Yeah. But if there are enough players who are upset about it, I'm sure it'll be talked about it. You know, if Doug Hamilton went to the summer meetings or whatever they're called now and raised that issue and then there was enough support for it, you know, they might do that. So. Can anybody tell me why it doesn't pertain? Can anybody tell me why it doesn't pertain to the playoffs? Does anybody have any idea why the salary cap doesn't pertain to the playoffs? Because salaries don't count for the playoffs. Right. That doesn't matter. Yes. I mean, it's still. You, you don't, you don't can get, I just say something? Yeah, go ahead. The whole point of the the long time insured reserve is that if you've got someone who's not there for the season, you can have the exact same amount of cash to build your team as everyone else because that player is not going to be used. Right. So the only fair way to fix that would be to say, okay. When you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, you choose which players you eliminate from your roster. If Kucherov can turn that, fine, but you take someone else out. But that I would be fair. You go back to the same cap space. When there was no cap, the Colorado Avalanche did this with Peter Forsberg. I thought he played a couple games. I went back. He played zero games. Right. Yeah, yeah but he did the exact same thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I know. Well, you don't. You you don't get paid in the playoffs. Right. Uh, well, uh, no, but you're still worth the money you're paid normally. Yes, and I can see that it's a it's an advantage for the Lightning. If there was no cap, we wouldn't be talking about this. That's the funny. Thing. I don't have a problem with what you're saying, Green. You're absolutely right. Um, and and during the regular season, you need to be able to give teams a chance to like make up for guys yeah. who get hurt. But when the when but for Kucherov to come back, they should still have to make an adjustment in the playoffs. Like they should still have to. Okay, if he's coming back now, it's not like he comes on back on top of what we added. No, that's it's, it. You just move players out. You're like, okay, I won't take this guy, but here's my list of guys that are, are on my roster for the playoffs. Right. And that's right. it. Problem solved. I right, mean, the Canadians, it was the exact same thing. I've not checked, but they, they went to get 
players when Gallagher and they signed Caulfield and all that. So the, the right. Montreal Canadian might be a bit over as well. Of course, yeah. no one's going to complain because Gallagher is no Kucherov, but still. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that's something worth discussing. And if that would mean that the Canadians couldn't have Caulfield, that's still a big change. You know? and, yeah. as, as Karen points out, it would be an easy fix because just think about it in baseball, Russ, because we do this all the time. You know, you have to you finalize your playoff roster. It has nothing to do with money. But you know you got to have the right guys. I mean, you got to pick people that you're going to have. Why? Why couldn't you do that in hockey? Where you just yeah, okay. this no, is that's fair. here's here's my guys that I'm going to use. No, that's it, fair. It gets me under the, you know, the the cap. So it feels like a loophole that no one thought about, and then they, and then now they just kind of gone with it. Like but it's but like okay, that's something in every every CBA there are loopholes. There will always be oh, for loopholes. Sure. Well, if those things lawyers, are written by lawyers. It's their job to find the loopholes. Yeah, yeah. the if you have lawyers, there's loopholes. Like, that's just Precisely. the way it is. Well, I mean, even in this one. I mean, they've never corrected, which I think is a loophole, although um, Bill Daly told me that's not really a loophole, but I don't know why it isn't, <laughs> that the college players can create their own free agency. Right. Um, Actually, one better. I, you know, right. Philip Lindbergh's yeah. doing it a year early this year, Kev. He's actually found a loophole where he's doing it a year early. Yeah. And again, what I've been told as the answer to that is GMs don't care. They want the loophole because no. they want to have that chance at these extra players when they get that chance. Yeah, unless it's theirs. But the the other one that I think, you know, could, you know, how far can you take it? So, you know, right at the trade deadline, uh, the, 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 the lightning of all teams – Mm -hmm. Find a way, even though they're totally capped out and are going to end up with a ninety-eight million dollar playoff uh, thing. Finds a way to get David Savard by getting uh, three teams, a third team involved. Well, what stops people right. from getting five teams involved? Nothing. You know, where, where everybody takes a million dollars. Actually, if you remember, Mike Hampton, at least three teams by the he was traded twice after he signed the deal with the uh, Colorado Rockies, yeah. and at least. Two other teams assumed parts of his contract yeah, for the remainder of his contract. So it definitely could happen. What this, what this is is the NBAization of the NHL because the three fourteen deal was part of the NBA for, for years. I mean, it's I mean, you know, now they don't have the same uh, hard cap that the that the NHL does, but I mean, it, I, I think that it's become necessary. I mean, Toronto did it, Vegas did it last year. The Robin Leonard deal. There were a number number of teams that that did it this year. It's reality. There's no way to stop it unless you're going to rejig the CBA. You're well, not going to stop. Well, it. I got news for you. I think David Savard yeah. may get re-signed by Tampa because Hedman will be the next guy that does this unless they pass a ruling over the summer. Hetman will probably not play. He's hurt, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and here's the thing, and you know, you're right, Mike. I mean, I'm okay with that. That's different to me than what's happening with Kucherov because the reason that is different is because even though you can move, you can use five teams or six teams or whatever, all those teams are getting something for yeah, that. Exactly. Everybody's right? getting that an advantage. Right. Yeah. There's, a, there's a benefit. That to me is the same reason that I want to have like the I've always wanted to have this rule, like the rate, what I call the Ray Bork rule, where you can sign one expiring UFA that doesn't count on the salary cap at the trade deadline. I've always thought because, because when you, you have to do that though, you can't do no, it. If you did, you could do it because teams are stuck with that yeah. player that they cannot trade and they're going to lose for nothing. At well, the end it's of the year. your fault. If you mismanage the cap, 
Well, you can say that, Tampa right? Tampa did but, not mismanage the cap. They did what they needed to right. do with the cap. Well, they yeah. did mismanage the cap. They just no, got, they didn't. No, but they, they they just found a way around it. They they well, fixed but it. Then they didn't mismanage it. I think, I think well, but if Kucherov isn't injured, they mismanaged the cap. Like that's that. But they knew not. he was injured. That's the whole thing. So that's oh, how you, they didn't mismanage. They did, but, well, no, no, they didn't. They knew he was, they no, they know, they knew he was injured. injured when they, they put themselves in that position. Right. They did not. Right, no, they, if, if Kucherov had not had the surgery, they, they were forced, they would have been forced to make the decisions that we talked about all offseason, trading right. Tyler Johnson or, or trading Kalorn. They, yeah, they tried to get rid of Johnson. No, I, I twice twice as well. Yeah, I mean, they would end up trading Pilat, who was. Pilat, Pilat, yeah. Right, but, but guys, there were players that tell teams two seasons in advance that they are playing hurt. And you always hear about guys that say, you know, I finally had to get this operated on. Because I just couldn't play with it anymore. I guarantee you, they knew something was wrong with Kucherov. They may have. If they did, then they really are guilty. I, well, I, but I, I guarantee think, you, they knew. I think I know the answer to this, but I, uh, but I don't. I'm not confident about it at all. But I could make a good guess. But I'd mm -hmm. love to. Maybe you guys have actually heard something about this. If, like, for example, if the Nashville traded Ryan Johansson and they used the, uh, uh, you know, the three-team uh, third-man-in rule, and they get right. a team, they got the right. Red so they kept two, and um, the Red Wings took three, and Seattle took three, and they right. get Johansson, and then they play him one year at third third line center, and then they got three years left, and then they buy him out. So if they buy him out, does that allow the Red Wings then to buy their their salary out, or do they do they still have to just the, keep the buyout? The buyout percentage-wise spreads equally along the, around the three teams because so it is bought out by all three teams. Yes. So, so, well, what I'm saying is, is that is that what would happen? You'd have to get agreement from all three teams. I don't think you, I don't think you have to get agreement. I think it just happens because I can't remember who it was, but there was a player that oh, the Dion Phaneuf when he was traded from Ottawa to Los Angeles. L.A. bought him out. Ottawa had nothing to say about it. They just had the percentage of the buyout because they had a percentage. Well, it's, it's, it's a wonderful deal for them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so so and then Steve Eisenman just calls Ron Francis and said, I just want to personally thank you. Well, <laughs> well yeah. And well, then, what, if you don't, what if you don't have the money to buy a guy out? Like, I mean, that's like. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. But that was the interesting thing about it. There was an update on the on the, uh, the, the factors regarding Seattle expansion. They can't pick up a player in the expansion draft and immediately buy them out. They have to have that player hold on their roster for one year before they can buy it, buy them out. So they can't pick up somebody and immediately cl cleanse that salary. Yeah. So they, which that's is one good thing because they can, they can almost do anything else. <laughs> Isn't that like the Brooke like role? Anyway, let, I want to talk about Hamilton for a second before we get into the mantra, because we're going to, we're going to end with a good 20 minutes here with the, about this other series. But the big rumor out today, of course, is um, being put out there that Hamilton, other teams are now allowed to talk to Hamilton's agent, yeah, um, which happens a lot, a lot more than is ever reported, right? Yeah. Um, but um, but they're out. But this is out there, you know, and it, it makes sense to put it out there because if if you're if you're Carolina, you want all the teams to know that this is a possibility, right? So you get it out there, and everybody can talk to him. Um, but then I'm also here. You're also hearing Kev like this, that this is going to be a, that there's a sign and trade possibility, which. The people I talked to who were involved in – I talked to one person who was involved in actually talking to Hamilton said that the sign-and-trade is not is not the thought here. Um, the, that the, thought, thought, the, the thought is is they wanted him to see what the market is right. to show that they, um, they're they not far off. Now, I, they may not be – that may not be the case. I mean, somebody right. might, you know, pay. Right. Right. So 
I mean, it's going to be it's such an odd market. So so yeah. anyway, so if they send him out there and he finds out he can't get nine million dollars or eight point five million for uh, seven or eight years, then you know they come back, they can still negotiate. But I, you know, this is not a good sign. No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's not. No, it's not a good sign. This is letting your well, wife sleep with somebody, right? Basically, is that what you're having? Yeah, but I can see a lot of things. I mean, I can see a lot of teams having trouble signing the their RFA because you're telling them the market is not what it usually is, and they don't necessarily believe you. So this, the the move that the Canes are making here kind of makes sense. And in a way, I wouldn't even be surprised to see Montreal do the same with Dano. Now, because they don't agree with the money that these were right, and what right. he thinks, yeah, and, but well, they don't want to lose him. As, as one GM said to me today, uh, he, he said, just go through your cap friendly and tell me who can give him $8 million. Yeah, right, right. He said the list of teams that can give him $8 million are probably three, and he probably doesn't want to go to any of those teams. So, yeah. Uh, Ottawa, New Jersey, uh, Columbus, Buffalo. Seattle. Seattle could. Seattle could. Now, now the, this is the thing. The one of the reports I don't remember who one who exactly said this um, said that you know he signed and trade so he could get the eighth year. He can't get right. He can't get it. Drager was wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. And also, and also, really, as one GM said, in this in this economy, do you want to give anybody an eighth year? No. Like honestly, you'd rather you'd rather not do that. But yeah, the only way he could have gotten an eighth year from a different team was that he would be traded before the trade deadline. So the max you get from any team is seven years, except for Carolina. Except for Carolina. The, the players don't even want long-term deal right now because the, no. the economy is bad. So I, I see a lot of bridge deals being signed, really. Now, I did hear something. Yeah, that's Kevin. Way Taylor Hall's, you know, they're, they're talking to right. him at six million bucks. Right, right, right. And and I did hear someone say to me, Kevin, that they thought that this was, okay, you can talk to Hamilton. If you do agree to a deal with him, you owe like you owe Carolina a second round draft pick. Something like that was going to play into it. Um, I don't know if that's if, that that there would be like because we've seen these negotiating rights being traded around before, but I've never heard it done the opposite kind of way. Where it's like you know where yeah you you if you sign him you you know no no going in before you sign him you're going to have to give a second round pick for because you talked to him ahead of time. Yeah, sort of I, I've not heard that. So. Okay, interesting. I don't know if that's okay. Well. Um, Let's just say this because I, as soon as I saw this report, I caught I, I talked to Russ mm -hmm. as we normally do for our for our pre you know pre show uh, confab. Um, I said, "Boy, this just feeds into the narrative." Yeah, no, all the gate. I you know I don't know you know I don't know what their offer is to to defend them, but I think it's entirely possible that the the. Carolina Hurricanes are being reasonable to the marketplace, but he thinks he's worth more. Now, yeah. saying that, I don't think this is a good sign. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not a good sign. No, it's not. It doesn't. It no. doesn't. It's not like Hamilton's committed to the Carolina Hurricanes. That's that's the like you know. Well, and, and honestly, he should be. This will be his fourth yeah. team. Yes. Uh, and he's a young man, and they treated him better than the two previous teams. Hundred percent true. He's Agreed. he's happier there. The the coach loves him. Um, they, they, no one is telling him to play differently. He likes the way he plays. And this is his one chance to cash in. One yeah. chance where he's at the top of his game. That's the only problem. Yeah. No. And I understand all that. So he may choose to do that. But you know, I, he, he's going to end up with a team that I think, if he if he wants to maximize his value with that, he doesn't want to play for. Like I mean, could you know right. the Toronto Maple Leafs could use him, but can they give him eight million dollars, Mike? 
They can't. They can give him eight million dollars if they traded Morgan Riley for prospects and draft picks. They would. Clear why would you do that? Yeah, but why would you do that? I mean, because yeah. Morgan, Riley, Morgan Riley's got a year left on his contract, and after that, he could be the Duncan Hamilton. He could be a free agent who they can't afford. So they already have him. They're already paying him something. Like, and they and they already and they can they can renegotiate with him, and he's better than Dougie Hamilton. Well, would we rather have? A, a I'm not saying Riley for eight million or Dougie Hamilton for eight million. I think the Leafs would rather have Riley because they yeah. know. Well, yeah, I rest my case then. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it was going to happen. I'm not saying it was likely to. I happen. understand, but wouldn't I mean if they move Nylander out, could that? I mean, then you know. Well, I, that, that's an act. That's what I wrote wrote about today. Yeah. With all the all the talk. And it's been uh, Legion, you know, Drager, Elliot Friedman, yeah. um, uh, John Hoven, who's an insider, covers the Kings. Everybody's saying the Kings are going after one to two top six forwards, and they have $20 million in cap space, 10 of which was cleared off because of Kovalchuk and, and Fanuf's buyouts and termination contract dropping off, and another $11 million dropping off next year uh, with other contracts drop, dropping off. And they're looking for top six forwards, and they've got a bevy of prospects and extra draft picks over the next three years that is a perfect fit for a team that is up against it, like the Leafs, like Tampa Bay, uh, and a guy like Nylander makes perfect sense for the Kings because they're looking for a score, looking for somebody who's not a young guy, uh, not a uh, inexperienced guy. I mean, it may not happen, but I think yeah. the pieces fit. And plus, the Leafs and the Kings have made two big deals over the last couple of years, and the lines of communication are very clear. And they've they've done they've done deals before, which means you know likely they could do another deal again. I think it makes a lot of sense, but there's no guarantee it's going to happen. That, that'll teach Nylander to play real hard. Yeah, like, to be their best play, best boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that you hard to the locker room. So. That throws a great message to the locker room for sure. Um, yeah, well, there's no question about that. It's not a bad place to end up, is it? No, no, it's a great LA is a great place to end up. But at the you same time, it's like, but you want to think your team would want you after you played really well. It's not about wanting him; it's about affording him. This is the cap reality. No, I get that, but they, I mean, there's other guys they could. They cannot pay fifty percent of their cap to four players. I mean, the last three years right. proved that. Right, right, right. I, I know. I, I don't. And but to me, if you do that. It, you have to get ammo. Like you have to get some, but you have to do something with that money. Like you have to really do something smart with that money. Yes. And you have to get Hamilton or you have to get yourself like, you know, a really serious goalie or right. something like that, that you can actually do something with. Right. I mean, and that's the, and that's the talk that's out there. Yeah. Is want to make an impact move of some sort. Yeah. Maybe what we're, uh, what we're seeing again is that it, we're turning back the clock here. Like, uh, the, um, you know, the Colorado Avalanche with a great offensive team couldn't get going. Uh, right. And the, the Islanders who, you know, don't have a superior defenseman but have a lot of good defense, they're, they're still rolling. The Montreal Canadiens didn't beat anybody with offense. They beat them with really dependable defense. Maybe, you know, the way to go is just beep up the defense. Like, there's been a yeah. lot of wild, crazy – suggestions that um, maybe the Seattle team would make trade the number two pick as part of a, and, and players that there are in future draft picks to uh, Buffalo, perhaps to try to get Eichel and that right. would give Buffalo, Rasmus, right. Aline, right. Yeah. Uh, and um, power. And then they could also take uh, Edvinson 
the Swedish defensemen. So that would be the core basis of their new team is three just top-level defensemen. Well, right. yeah, Edmondson's a longer-term project, though, than the other guys, but he could be a really good defenseman. Here's a bit well, I, I got news for you. Buffalo is a longer-term project. Than- <laughs> no, I know. I get it. Here's a a good segue into the the series series preview. Four teams in the playoffs right now. The cheapest goaltender is Varlamov at five million bucks. All high-priced, well-regarded goaltenders, Vasilevsky at nine and a half, uh, Price at ten and a half, uh, uh, Fleury at seven. Even the backup in Vegas, Leonard makes five. So you've got established, high-priced goaltenders and big mobile defense all four of them now you know i think some of them are better than others obviously some are better offensively some are better defensively but that's the commonality of all four of them and if you don't t- if you don't think that that send a, sends a message to other nhl teams about how to build your team you're out of your mind but yeah but that depends mike i mean that yeah. applies if you're building from the net out if you've got your franchise player, who's the goalie, Carey Price in Montreal sense, they mm-hmm. spend so much money on the goaltender that they need to have the guys around him to support him. And then that's how they end up playing a suffocating defense with less attack. Right, they wouldn't right. be like that if they had money to put up front, but they put so much at the back that no, that's, that's how true. they have to play. And well, I think- what, what ends up happening, though? You know, out there in that in the hockey world, and they're they're smarter than we are because they can identify apparently, you know, the guys that are difference makers who don't on the surface look like difference makers. And I'll bring up our good friend Edmondson again. And right yeah. here on this show, yeah. I remember seeing the off season people were acting like uh, Montreal ended up with Bobby Orr, and and mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking, you know, this guy is just a serviceable defenseman. Well, Baloney, he, mm-hmm. he was much better than serviceable. Yeah. You know, every time I watched them play, he was an impact, you know, player. So, you know, a lot yeah. of the, the hockey world, they sort of get the guys that, you know, uh, the same thing with the Carolina guy that the fan base doesn't really understand how good Slavin is. But Right. Yeah. The only reason, Kev, that I knew about Edmondson is because when I started covering the cup games, when he was in it with St. Louis, I realized, okay, you know what? This guy is better than I gave him credit for. So that's why when they signed him, I was like, this is a great signing because I understood how important he was to that team. Yeah. If I didn't cover those cup games up close, I probably wouldn't Rush, have Rush, you and I talked about Edmondson in the press box in Boston. Yes. I remember very clearly yeah. we were like, that guy is way better than people think he is. I yes. remember that whole thing and we're having that discussion. Now, what's interesting to me, Kevin, and I think this does this goes go into the series, is that I mean, obviously, the game, the name of the game is goalie. That that's a given, right? And the three of the top four goalies, three of the top four paid goalies, are still playing, right? Which is which is crazy. Um, but then the whole whole name of the game being defense, defensemen, big defensemen. This is where I think people are missing the boat a little bit because these defense defensemen can look better in a better system than they are. And also, you can also I do believe I do believe obviously having like you know a headman or whatever is a, is an amazing thing. But Shea Weber's not there anymore he's looking better now because of the fact that montreal is playing a system and and this it, a, a solid defensive system like the islanders play um that makes you look like you have better defensemen sometimes too so it's it's a hard well i mean i, I think it's always a combination of factors like yeah you know i'm i have interest in uh, petrie because i covered his dad i covered the detroit tigers in baseball in the 80s so i knew the dad yeah. And so I've always paid attention to him. And like I've noted at the start of this season that he had 
really improved since the last time I paid attention to him. Now right. it happened last year and I just wasn't paying attention, but uh, you know, I right. watched him and it, he wasn't the same kid that, you know, struggled in Edmonton and everything else. And no, I think he's not that, a kid anymore. Well, no, yeah. he's not a kid. No, exactly. But he's not. Um, so, you know, he's better. So I think, you know, Shea Weber doesn't have to do as much. And then they bring in Edmondson. Who? I mean, I think we can say player. the same about Devin Taves. He looked great in the bubble for the Islanders. He yeah. still looks look great for Colorado. I agree. Yeah, Dev, Devin Taves. I mean, that, he's a guy that because of their uh, cap mess. Although now the rumor is, is that I, I think you told me this. Did you? Somebody told me this that Eric Johnson is going to wave. Yeah, that's what the the, the chat room mentioned that. that. Um, now, Kareem. Green, I want you to start with the Montreal series and give us your thoughts on this. So let's um... uh, the Montreal series. I'm going to start by picking up where you left off and okay. say that Canadians weren't playing the same system during the season, and Shea Weber looked bad, yeah. slash atrocious <laughs> a lot of times. At mm -hmm. the end, we knew that he was injured, but he hasn't been injured all season, and he struggled all season. However, when you get to the playoffs and you play a more disciplined, more suffocating defense that he can do he can do because that's his style of play but also because the rule book is a bit you know less applied in the playoffs and that helps but you can't play like that for the whole season so that's why when you're watching weber in the regular season you're like yes this isn't good then you get to playoffs and you're like oh there's shea weber where have right. you been and for petrie <laughs> it's a bit the opposite actually because he yeah, is an attacking defenseman and yeah. he's really good all through the season, then you get to the first round against the Maple Leafs, and Petrie's, you know, not as useful as he was. He's still a great player, but he didn't put up tons of points he's against the Leafs. He's a little shaky with the puck. There were times he yeah. was lacking confidence bringing the puck up the ice. That's what yeah, I exactly. So he's not been as good against the Leafs. He was good against the Jets, however. Sure, but right. now he's injured, so we'll have to see where that goes, because he's got two dislocated fingers. And uh, he's had a special glove made, apparently, and he practiced with the team today, but with non-contact sweater. So that's going to hurt, because whatever happens, that means that Canadians are still going to try and roll four defensemen heavily, and then just give bits and pieces of ice time to good old Gustafsson and Romanov. So, mm. you know, that's, that's, that's a gamble <laughs> a little bit when you're rolling and you've got Kulak, who has to play like 20 minutes if Petrie doesn't come back. Still, that being said, I think I can see the abs pulling that one off because I'm not sure how Vegas is going to act against that kind of suffocating defense. And I know that Vegas has a better attack, but they've not faced a carry price yet. They haven't. Well, they've not faced a playoffs price yet because that's two different guys, just like Shea Weber. Yeah. And I'll also say about Weber and Price, to me, these guys are fast becoming the Avalanche Raymond Bourque. Right. I mean, right. they're getting to that age where they're not going to have a ton of chances to win, and they want to win. I mean, who's going to be more motivated on the other side? I mean, you've got, what, Mark Stone, Jonathan Archesault, guys like that who haven't won a cup yet. And you've got Fleury, who's got, what, three, three rings already? The three or four? Three, I think. Three, right. So... He's not going to have the same hunger as Price. So I can see playoffs Price really, really shining through. And that's going to be the first time he gets to play in the third round, aside from two periods before he was uh, injured. Yeah, I think we're going to be highly motivated. And I think that if they manage to like put their system forward and execute 
as they did in the first two rounds, they can do this. They have to shake off the rust as well tonight. But what was funny as well was that uh, this this week, this past week, they wanted to make sure that uh, they wouldn't, you know, just relax too much and get their head out of the game. So the Canadians actually brought uh, Bob Gainey to, sp to speak to the guys and tell them how he did stuff, how he kept in oh, the right cool. mind and all that. Well, that's cool, yes, but Marc Bergeron this weekend when he spoke to the media said, oh, and there's something else about Gainey, but we want to uh, keep that internally for now. And that <laughs> made me think, well, is Gainey going to become the uh, president of IKEA operations? That yeah, would yeah. be a good move. No, that would be a Canadian's move. Eck, if I could just mention my two cents, I have to go a few minutes early because yeah, of an please. interview. I, I do agree with Corinne that, look, Montreal will be playing in like a different style of hockey than Vegas hasn't, that hasn't seen. But I do think Vegas has the kind of guys around that if they get punched in the mouth, they can handle it. Reeves, Pacioretty, Tuck, they have a lot of big guys. Nicholas Waugh, they have a lot of guys that with a lot of pushback. So if it turns into a pushback series, I think they are okay with that. And Flurry, for as long as Flurry plays like this, I, I think he can handle it too. I really think Vegas will win this in six, but I do think the Habs will win some games here. But I don't, I don't see a path for the Habs winning this one because I just think right now I think – Vegas will have a little bit more offense than the Habs have to offer, and they could, and they can at least match them physically. I'll give the Habs the edge on defense, and I think it's a wash and goal. That's what I think. Okay, interesting. We'll right, see, right. but you know what? I don't think it's possible for the Habs to actually lose in six because the sixth game is scheduled at the Bell Center on June twenty fourth, which is Quebec's National Day. So they're not losing. <laughs> every every that's team not can happening. lose at home. <laughs> no, that's not. I get what you're saying. It'll make that loss so much sweeter. Oh, no, you know what's going to happen that night? It's going to be Habs and Six. They're going to win that night. And okay. then Quebec's favorite band has actually promised a live Facebook show to celebrate if that there happens. You go. That's the, I love that's, I love this that's kind of stuff. The there you go. The script I want. That's the end of the yeah. script you want. Absolutely. <laughs> Kevin, your thoughts on this series? Well, first thing, I'd start off with a story about Shea Weber, one of my all-time favorite stories. And, it, and I like it because it involves Peter Lamulette who doesn't often provide uh, good stories as you know, <laughs> covering him. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's not a gifted uh, orator no. uh, and doesn't enjoy engaging with the media. But we were at an all-star game, and I was doing a big piece, a takeout on Che Weber, and I went up to Peter and I said, Peter, I don't know, I, and I know him reasonably well, so I knew he would at least be um, okay asking the question too. And uh, I said, as you know, Shea Weber does not have good advanced stats. I don't know how much attention you pay to it. And he goes, I actually pay quite a bit of attention to advanced stats. I said, well, you know what it says about him. He goes, yeah, it says that, uh, you know, he's not good uh, defensively um, when, you, when you read all that. He goes, but, you know, here's the problem I have. He said, when it's two minutes to go and I'm trying to protect the lead and I have all that knowledge in my head, <laughs> what it says, I look down the bench and I say, you know, I'm putting Shea Weber on because <laughs> 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 I've been watching him too long. You know, yeah, and, oh yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the struggles with advanced stats. And sometimes the eye test and the knowledge of you know what he's capable of um, just influences. But I, I I think Montreal is capable of winning this series um, uh, because of their ability to put forth the defensive effort, but. You know, um, you know, can they do it? I, I don't know. Uh, it, they've done it for two series. Can they do it for three? And, um, you know, Vegas, I think one of their talents is survival skills. Like they can take early punches. They, you know, they were trailed in that series. 
uh, and I, they take the lead almost from Flurry, who's very unflappable. A lot of composure, doesn't lose his cool, gives up a goal, seen it before, done it, been here. Yeah. Uh, and the team does that as well. And I think Mark Stone's biggest contribution to that team was as, as a flag carrier. Um, you know, he picks that flag up and they get going. Uh, he yeah. he wasn't good in some games, but he still carried the flag, and I thought the team team kind of responded. So I, I'm going to take Vegas, but I'm I'm not all that comfortable with it because I I feel like like Montreal could give them a very hard time. Like always, there's a team in the playoffs that just gets it together and plays a style that people have trouble handling, and yeah. that's been Montreal so far. Yeah. Well, Russ covered most of the points that that I was going to cover. To just, but I want to mix in what Corinne said about uh, Game Six because that may be a factor. So I think Vegas will win in five. Um, <laughs> but but I, this, this is the thing. It's like I, I think Vegas and Montreal play very similar styles. Um, I think Vegas is a is a is a, a bigger team up front. Um, I, Pet, I don't think there's a – even though the Montreal defense has played really well, and I know for a fact watching them as, for seven games against the team that I cover, um, I don't think anybody's better on uh, on either team than Alex Petrangelo has played in, this, in these playoffs. He played fantastic against Colorado. He was a difference maker, especially in the last two or three games. Um, he justified what they what they the, what they went through and what they spent on him uh, in, in that in that deal. Um, now anything can happen. You know, does Flurry have a 2012 flashback and he's fa- he thinks he's facing Ilya Brizgalov and all of a sudden he's got a five hole the size of Mac of a, that a Mac truck could go through? Sure, but could have a 2010 flashback when he right. played. The- against Montreal and had a lot of trouble. Yes, but I, but based on the way he's played in these playoffs, um, he's been lights out. And I'm not taking anything away from Kerry Price, but um, yeah, because he's been really good too. But I, I just think Vegas is the better team. So I'll go I'll, – I'll, I will heed Corinne's advice here and go with Vegas in five, only because okay. I would be Vegas in six, and that would be, that would be embarrassing and uh, – down, it would be downtrodden to the 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 members of the province of Quebec. It's funny. I looked back at the I looked back at the Toronto Montreal series, and I and Russ is the only person who took Montreal. Remember, um, and please, and um, but I said in our podcast, I wanted to make sure I said this because I went back and listened to that. I said that I, this series to me is Toronto in five or Montreal in seven, but I'm going to go with Toronto in five, and that's what I, that's that's where I went because I and I I I feel the same about this series. Vegas in five or Montreal in seven. And I, I feel that way because, and it wasn't, I mean, it was one goal away from being Toronto in five. Let's just, mm-hmm. let's remember. I mean, that's where it was. One game so, away, one goal away from being Toronto in six. Right. So, but, but, you know, but, but when I look at, when I look for Achilles, you know, Vegas is a better team. Like there's no question about it. They're, they're deeper. They're, they're faster. Um, Flurry and Price kind of cancel each other out in my mind, even though Price is, you know, legendary flurry is just on fire um i i think that you have to in order for montreal to lose they have you have to find an achilles heel with the with van with the vegas golden knights and there is one and i i i feel that they're, they're the one that we've and and dallas showed it last year in the playoffs that vegas can get very cold and frustrated when they run into a hot goalie yeah and and the issue here is to me that that is the one thing I keep looking at you know and they did they, this also happened against Minnesota remember um Vegas couldn't score for a bit 
um, this year in the playoffs. It happened in Dallas. Dallas, this is how Dallas beat them. And I really do feel, I mean, you're going against the ultimate get inside your head goalie and carry price. Well, like you're, that, that to me is an issue. Well, the thing is the common, the common thread between Minnesota and Dallas is they were being stymied by what most people would define as an average goaltender. Kadobin is an average goalie. So is Cam Talbot. Carey Price is not an average goalie. He's one of the best in the business. If they're not prepared to be patient and, mm -hmm. and wait for their opportunities against him, then they don't belong there. And I think that I think they're going to be uh, intelligent enough and experienced enough to know that these games are probably going to be 2-1, 3-1, 3-2, something like that, and it's going to require them to be patient to be able to win. But they haven't been. And then, then when these then these teams have played each other, and, and, you know, and this is not as good a Montreal team, but as good a Vegas team, you know, this is the only team that Vegas hasn't beaten twice in the NHL. Like that Vegas has one win in the regular season against, against, against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, but they play them um, twice a year for three. They've only played them six times. Yeah. Okay. I, but and I'm not saying, but but you know what? The other thing is interesting. Each team has scored 25 goals in that series in six games. That's four goals a game per team. These teams have not played low-scoring games when they play each other, and I think the reason for that is that they it's actually. The well, it's not the playoffs. This is all. These are all. And, and listen, it's the past. But I'm trying to look for. I'm trying to look for commonality here. And to me. I've always been I've been saying for the last two years that what I like about the Canadians, and I said this when they played the Flyers last year, is they play like the Vegas Golden Knights, that they play fast hockey. That's what I've been saying forever. So you're talking at two teams that are playing very fast hockey against each other. Um, that, to me, yeah, there were bad goalies, Mike, but that doesn't help. That doesn't that that makes my point even more so. Not to me. bad goalies, not, not bad goalies, but not legendary goalies. But that makes my point even more. There, you you can't be patient against Carey Price. Patience is not what you was going to with, with Carey Price. You have to throw everything on net. Everything at the goal, everything all the time. The only you're going to score weird goals against Carey Price. You're not going to score straight out goals, and this is this is what this is the problem. They tried to be too fancy at Ben Sudobin. They tried to be too fancy against Talbot, and they even tried to in that first game against Grubauer. And it's maybe, funny. maybe maybe I'm maybe I used the wrong word, but I, what I think is I think that they lost their cool against Minnesota and against Dallas because they were being stymied by what they perceived as average goaltenders. Kerry Price is not an average goalie. I don't, I don't think, think I don't think it was stymied by an average goalie. I think they were stymied by a hot goalie, Mike. I think that's what the team thinks. They don't think there's goals are hot. they just think there's a hot goalie. And Kerry Price is the ultimate hot goalie. Like to me, going, going back to what you said, Ecto, about uh, Montreal being a goal away from being beaten by Toronto in five. Thing is, since then they finally bought into the system that Shaw right. is trying to get them yeah, to play, sure. and they've applied it to perfection. So that's not the same team. I'd taken uh, Leafs in seven in the first round based on what I was seeing in the yeah. regular season, and that yeah. doesn't apply anymore. They, they're a completely different team. Even Bergevin said it this weekend. I don't know what's happening out there. I don't know what changed, but we've got a unified team that's having fun playing hockey right now, and that's true. It's, they're not well, the same winning. as they were the start they've playoffs. Won six, they've won, what, seven games? Seven. I mean, seven. They're, they're, every every team's happy when they're winning. You know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. I think Montreal, you know, it could be the, the Blues of this playoffs. Yeah. You know, like the Blues weren't the best team in the NHL, but they were. Right. You know, they had all the momentum in the playoffs. They were playing well. They felt good about themselves. They were confident. Always, there's a team like that in Montreal. Um, you know, could be that team. We don't know. Um, yeah, and Boston should have won that Stanley Cup final against the Blues. Boston now played the Blues. Yeah. No, but you know the Blues had a lot going, and uh, yeah. 
I'd rather be, uh, you know, you know, be confident and feel good about uh, yourselves and going into a final than being the the, the most talented team. You know, if right. you're, oh, yeah. if you're going well and you got momentum, we've seen that way too often in the NHL. I just add actually that the last two times that the Canadians won the cup, they weren't meant to win it either. 93 and 86, they weren't meant to win it. They weren't the favorites. They, you know, but it just happened. Yeah. And it feels a little bit like that in the sense that in 93, when they won, um, the Islanders eliminated, eliminated the point, the Penguins, but they lost yeah. the Jean in the process. And that kind of opened the way for Montreal. And yeah. this like, year, it's hard not to say that, you know, GT go, JT going down didn't help. Shifley taking himself right. out didn't help. There's a lot to consider here. And so I, I think that, I, yes, Montreal has had luck. You can't I, deny that. And I Every team that wins the Cup has luck. And I can't remember who Los Angeles eliminated in 93. I, I think I think it was your Leafs. <laughs> all right. So but, uh, saying all I said, I'm making my case for Montreal in seven. because I, like, And I say I honestly feel like it's – I'm still going to say it's Vegas in five or Montreal in seven. you got to pick one, Nick. Big I'm one. going with Montreal on seven and I did it. I did. I wrote about it on my blog and I'm going with it just because I feel like Kevin said, there's always a team and Montreal. There's no team that can get more of a blessed type feeling than the Montreal Canadians in my mind. <laughs> like if there's a, if there's a team of destiny, it's when I was a kid, it was always the Montreal Canadians. So it's like, I have, I, it's not weird for me to think it's weird for me. Like the blues is a team of destiny, but it's not weird for me to think of the Canadians as a team of destiny. So, <laughs> You know, to me, I think that the, the Canadians, I mean, it's been, I remember I was always so proud of, I mean, they were my second favorite team. I was always so proud they won Stanley Cup in every decade, which they did through nine through the 90s, right? But then they didn't. Um, so anyway, that's my pick. Um, we'll see. You know, I mean, I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, it's gonna, I'm, I think it's going to be a, a incredibly interesting series. Um, both of these are, both these Final Four, I think, are really good series. Um, I think we're, I think we're in a great shape, in great shape here. So, that's all the time we have for today, guys. But everybody, have a wonderful weekend, Kevin. Thank you so much, as always. Well, we we already had a wonderful weekend. Right, right. It's Monday. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you said, when, listen, when my wife says that I will do something incredibly stupid every 48 hours, that was mine. That was my thing I just did right there. <laughs> but she says I do mostly good things. All right. Remember without the buzz. It's just hockey. Enjoy your Monday night. We will talk to you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.